Welcome to Wisco Dice. Welcome to Wisco Dice. Boy, that feels good, and that voice sounds good. Hey, ho hey, folks. This is the Cones who the most. Maybe not so much the most anymore, but we'll talk about that in a second. I have been joined by my bestest friend and colleague and wonderful person in the whole wide world, my co-host, the one, the only. The actual co-host, Starcraving Matt, is back. Yeah, back from where? My trip from afar. Yes. <laughs> I, in, I, I think I mentioned it on the show right before I left, it was about the only one, but I had been in Germany for three weeks. You had recorded that show with Eric, I think it was, while I was out. Yep. So I kind of bridged our gap. We've been out for a bit, but... I finally made it back. I'm not sure how much co-hosting Eric did, but it was <laughs> he was it was the intention to have him be in the co-host chair. He was there. He was definitely there. Same with Kenny. We got side railed by our our guest that day. What are we talking about today, Brian? Uh, a whole bunch of stuff. I guess a big topic is your trip to Gen Con and all the stuff you found out there. And um, obviously, also, yep. <laughs> and obviously, we're going to talk a little bit about your trip to Germany, of course. Yeah, I don't really have much to say besides I was there. I did no gaming things, unfortunately, but... You had to see some cool I mean, stuff? Yeah, I saw pretty much... I definitely didn't really have much time. I barely saw... I didn't even see like everything I could have seen in Berlin. Never do. So, I was a little tight with everything. And then, of course, I think we've got... We're going to talk a little bit about... Uh, Bolt Action, Age of Sigmar, and uh, whatever else seems to randomly come up while we're chatting here and catching up. Yep. Hang tight and hope everybody enjoys. That being said, what have you been working on in the hobby? There's got to be something. You know, you, you had your, your little vacation and you got back. I know you've been working on models. And obviously, yeah, no, I think you finally finished that secret project at some point, too, that is still secret. I think uh, I saw yeah, a tail. <laughs> I really, I have like, well, that is pretty much done. I have one more tweak of green stuff I have to add to it. Not really a tweak, but just one more thing I have to finish off to kind of make it pretty well complete. And then I have to take some pictures to post them up on the blog about the secrets revealed. It was, it did make it into the mega battle. I kind of hurried to wrap it up. I was put quite a lot of work into it those last couple days. And I haven't really worked on it since. That's why it just needs a little bit more. There was something I couldn't quite finish, like the night before that big metal bat mega battle. So if you look closely at the pictures, you can definitely see it in there. But there will be some close-up shots if anybody's interested. I think it turned out pretty cool. I guess you haven't even seen it in person yet, though. So. Nope, I haven't. But I was looking for it in those pictures, and I had a hard time locating it. So... I think there was some <laughs> Stealth Ninja photo photography action there just to make sure that he was excluded. <laughs> he didn't make it out of some of them while Nick Ash was in the battle. So. Yep, yep, I saw that. So definitely check out the blog and see the full battle report. It was really well written and enjoyable read. So it's, it's buried in there somewhere. <laughs> yeah, there's been quite a few posts on the blog lately. That one, I didn't quite finish it before I went to Germany and I couldn't quite bring myself to work on it while I was in Germany, so it didn't come out until like the week after I got back. But um, it's a pretty well-rounded account of 
I guess, the battle I played, and I got some of the highlights from what was happening on the rest of the table and just how the whole battle went. And, I mean, you can look at all the rules from the campaign and from the battle. If you're interested in doing something like that, I think it worked out pretty well. Yeah, I do know. It's, it's been, uh, you know, we can say, hey, it's tail end of 8th or whatever, but those rules and that kind of gameplay, whether you're digging out your old 8th ed rule books or you're transitioning maybe to a Kings of War game or an Age of Sigmar game or whatever your fancy uh, enjoys for a game, I think those uh, the scenario rules are pretty easily adjusted and adapted to to be able to allow you to play the kind of game you want. So, yeah, definitely check those out as well. All right, and I know you've been actually working on some models since you got back. Mostly bolt action, actually. I've been, I don't know, I guess that's what I've been kind of motivated to work on. I haven't actually played a game of Age of Sigmar yet, and so I'm kind of, like, not very into the Warhammer at the moment, unfortunately, even after finishing my big guy. So bolt action is the thing that's getting me most excited lately, so I've been putting in a lot of work there. I've been assembling a few more guys. I feel like my list isn't quite where it needs to be. I'm trying to... I'm having trouble in my games lately. I haven't played, like, a lot, but I've gotten the most games of bolt action in the recent time. I think I've played two in the last few weeks, so that's quite a bit. <laughs> yeah, I think we're both we're both kind of forcing or stretching our current collections and our current armies that we're playing at 1,000 points, so... yeah. Yeah, All definitely. I've played, yeah, at a thousand. I'm putting everything I own on the table, and I don't think what I'm putting out there is quite that great, I guess. And I also am limited by what I have my guys modeled as, so I'm modeling a few more. To, I definitely need more infantry. I guess I want to play pretty infantry heavy, so that's what I'm building. Also, the tank guns are kind of rubbish, so I got myself a howitzer I ordered in the mail the other day, so hopefully that'll show up sometime soon. And a few more guys, and then hopefully my list will be doing a little better. And I've also been painting on the guys. I undercoated like pretty much everything I had assembled, besides the new ones I'm working on. And my team, some of those guys have like the metal bases on their feet, so I have to put some putty on the bases to fill them out before I was going to spray them. So I didn't quite get to those. And I have been painting. My next group of ten is kind of whittling down towards the end of the paint, finally. So that'll be like. 21 bolt action guys that have fully painted when I finish these guys. That's so pretty exciting. Yeah, that's we'll see. That's, you'll that's see pretty some... much half my course, so <laughs> yep. quite a bit. That, that, that is, that's a good feeling, definitely. Especially, you're right, uh, bolt action force of any decent size is, you know, like my Germans tournament army is almost, is just around 40 figures plus uh, a couple of vehicles. That's honestly not a super challenge to paint up. Yeah, and if you're going historical, you don't have to really think about what you're painting too much, but I mean, you can look for a variety in camel prints and stuff, but I'm doing my guys pretty basic, so it's kind of just assembly line. Yep, definitely. Well, I, I mean, you can do that in fantasy, too, or, or whatever your game is, but uh, yeah, the, the need to overemphasize highlights or something like that is not necessarily the standard in, in a game like uh, uh, Bolt Action or Flames of War. Yep. Yeah, I didn't even highlight the guys I worked on. I just washed them and left them at that. I considered adding highlights, but I haven't really felt the need to. I guess I kind of like them here. And they look fine on the table, so I didn't feel the need to brighten them up. So I definitely got bit by the 40K bug, 
and have fiddled with and worked with a bunch of 40k stuff and then bought some 40k stuff prior to Gen Con and then bought some more 40k stuff while I was at Gen Con and painted up I painted up I decided for whatever reason to do some and I know we don't really don't talk about 40k on the show but I got the every once like every four or five years I'll get a big bug to fiddle with that like ooh 40k cool and I, maybe some of that's the whole Age of Sigmar thing. It's not not that I'm not interested in playing Age of Sigmar, but there is that, uh, and, I, and I think there's that for a lot of people, this kind of post-Age of Sigmar trauma kind of, or post-Warhammer you know Warhammer fantasy, I should say, uh, trauma of, I've been playing this game that I've loved, and this was the game I wanted to play for the last... I don't know, nearly 20 years, and now it's, really, it's gone. It's not, I mean, I can play, we want to play an 8th ed game or whatever version of Warhammer we want to play, we can go dig out the rules and in the, in the army books and whatever and play that game, but it's it's gone, and that's, you know, all of us veterans that have been with it for a long, super long time, it's gut-wrenching to an extent. And there's so many variables now with Age of Sigmar that we just don't, or I think we're still on the, the cusp of knowing i think there's things that are coming that are that are going to help make a big difference in in the way ga- the game plays and feels and it evolves it's very you know you look at a game it's really in its infancy it's there's a lot of change that's going to be there so it's been it's been kind of tough to be super stoked to work on age of sigmar stuff so i've been working i so i got that bug to do some 40k and i did decided i have chaos marines i'm like i'm not going to First, it started out, I'm not going to buy anything. I'm not going to buy anything. I'm just going to work on on a couple of vehicles. And, and then I ended up buying, like, I'm sitting at Pegasus. And I'm like, I can't find anything uh, to buy. I'm like, I'm, I feel obligated. I need to buy something. I, I feel very obligated on the whole pay, pay where you play kind of attitude. So I can't find anything. I'm like, I can't find anything to buy. I can't find anybody. Okay, I'll buy this. I know I need a Helldrake. I, I want to be able to play. And people said Helldrakes are good, so I'll take a, I'll buy a Helldrake. And I'm not sure if they're actually good in the current 40k meta, but I bought a Helldrake, and I think they look pretty cool. I know a lot of people don't like the fact that there's not really a tail or anything on it, but I think it looks pretty cool. So I bought a Helldrake and started building that, and now it's like half put together on the desk. And then I bought a few other Chaos Marine things. And then I also decided at the same time, I've got a Chaos Marine army that's like a third of the way painted in like this bronze, this antique gold kind of color, beaten copper, I think it is maybe, and in silver trim. And I'm like, and I, I could, I could have decided just, oh, hey, I'll keep painting that. But no, no, couldn't do that. I decided to paint up, uh, Black Legion Chaos Marine, so the, the traditional black armor with gold and silver trim. Uh, and I decided not to just do it real simple with like a black primer and just a hint of highlight with some grays or something like that on the armor. Oh no, I decided I was going to paint it up so that it was maybe not the best I could do, but I really wanted that black, to that armor, to really sh- stand out on that armor. Yeah, uh, I didn't want it and, and I wanted the metal the metals to look really good. So I got the first five Chaos Marines painted up finally. Um, and I got that. They were like most of the way done before Gen Con and we sat on a Google Hangout and I finished them up after Gen Con. 
And that's probably the only thing I did after Gen Con, actually, hobby-wise, pretty much. But, uh, wow, those models look really quite remarkable. Um, I'm really happy with the way they turned out. Um, I put them on secret... Uh, this is the first time I've ever actually put a model on a secret weapon or a, or a prefabbed, uh, you know, pre precast uh, scenic base. Of course, I couldn't just leave the scenic base alone, so I've got... Did the scenic base, they're like city rubble. And I painted them up and dry brushed them up and, and made them look kind of nice that way so they look decent. But then I took uh, some powdered pigments and hit them in a few spots, which really helped make the, you know, give a little bit of dust and debris look to the base, but also really just helped the base kind of pop and give it that extra little color that it needed. It was just a little too plain with just gray debris on the ground and, and a little depth and dark and change in the subtleness of blacks and grays. So, yeah, I was really happy with that. Like many of people in the Warhammer community have been building Infinity recently, so I got the, the two-player starter for Infinity and am working on building up the Pan-Oceana uh, models right now uh, with um, green green stuff sculpted bases, which are really really nothing that fancy. It's just uh, kind of like green stuff tile work on the base and then, and then mounting the model to the bases and such and... Those models, it, it, those are kind of fiddly. There's some some little, some really thin pieces where you've got some really minimal glue joints where you're trying to glue metal figures together, which is a little bit of a challenge. But if you like that style of figure, I think those uh, the Infinity figures are are really well cast and the the minimal there there have not been huge mold lines or huge problems like that that would make a model that that kind of fiddly be super frustrating to. Uh, or be just just a wreck, train wreck to be putting together and, and such. So uh, they, they're it's progressing. I've got like I think half of the half of the Panoceana stuff built now. Quite a lot. Yeah, well, three figures. <laughs> oh, I, I think there's six six figures in the actual starter in the actual starter, and then the bonus figure. So yeah, I'm interested to hear more about that game. Sounds interesting. I don't know that I need to get into another game I don't have time for, but... Well, I mean, fortunately... Fortunately, I bought a two-player starter, so guess what? You don't have to buy a thing. You can just, you just sit down and, and try it out sometime. Sounds good. Okay, so I think that kind of wraps up what we've been doing. Uh, why don't we go ahead and talk a little bit about Gen Con... Uh, you were there. Obviously, yeah, I was there. I had a good time. I can say that this year's Gen Con was particularly special for me. I was in a pretty bad place before Gen Con, and being able to have Gen Con happen when it did, it was probably a massive lifesaver and attitude adjuster. So, you know, I kind of mentioned on the Facebook feeds there's been some some significant things going on in my life, and I'm not here to just talk about them publicly or anything like that. But needless to say, Gen Con really helped out. And not only helped out in the, in the attitude adjustment, like helping my self-confidence and, and personality, but also it helped me, you know, when I, when I got done with Gen Con, I came back with a vengeance to drop some weight, to get back into to get back into that dieting phase. I'm now down ten pounds. So ten pounds in basically two and a half, three weeks is a pretty good pretty good goal. So I'm gonna keep that up and 
hopefully you guys out there can give me some encouragement. I saw a bunch of cool stuff at Gen Con. I was just asking what you saw. From the miniature side, and I've and I put up a blog post right before Gen Con about kind of the Conzi guide to things to check out at, at at Gen Con this year. I think my number one highlight was I was walking around. I was it was probably twenty or thirty minutes before I had to be at an event, uh, and I'm in the exhibition hall, and I had located where the and I located where the Hawk War Games booth was, and Hawk War Games is the uh, vendor that makes uh, Drop Zone Commander. And I'm just kind of checking out. They've got a bin where they've got all our uh, uh, display case where they have all of the uh, new models that are coming. I'm checking them out. I'm really I'm taking some pictures. And I turn around and start to walk, walk around and check out a demo game that's going on. And I practically run right into... Uh, the man himself, Dave from uh, Drop Zone Commander and from Hawk War Games, and Dave is, or David is the basically the guy that wrote, put together the game, put together the models, designed the models, painted all, did all the painting, did all the photographs for the original rulebook. You know, he's basically the one man mission that came up with Drop Zone. Of course, he had some friends and some support along the way, but he's kind of the guy. Um, <laughs> and just being able to kind of bump into him, and I knew he was going to be at Gen Con, but just that, oh hey, you're you're the guy. Oh my goodness! And then I went into full fanboy mode, which <laughs> I was just going to ask you. Yeah, no, it was full on. Like, oh my goodness, you're kind of a celebrity to me, and and yep, full fanboy. And yeah, I got him. To, I bought there. They just released uh, this. In the last uh, uh, this summer, in the last couple of months, they released a special limited edition copy of the Drop Zone Commander rules, the first the the one point one rulebook, um, but with new photographs and new imagery because they now have staff to do that. Um, the no new models and in stuff in the book, and it's all I think it's the one point one rules. So I picked up a copy of that, and he signed it for me right there in the in the yeah. Uh, in the zone, in the little booth, so that was cool. I mean, I've got a signed copy of the Drop Zone rules. It's now going to sit on the shelf and probably never be used because I have, <laughs> I have the paperback copies. Honestly, that are easier to transport than this giant hardcover, and it was full on GW price for a hardcover too. I mean, Drop Zone Commander is not necessarily an inexpensive war game for the volume of models and size of models that you get, um, but it's a lot of fun, and I've really enjoyed it, and I do enjoy the. Uh, it, the story that's that's there in the books, you know, for a sci-fi game, he's got a really cool background and story that's going as well. So it's it's really enjoyable, and I've, I've really enjoyed that whole experience. So that was definitely my biggest, probably my biggest highlight from Gen Con. Very cool. So uh, we did, uh, the, the other thing that was really cool at Gen Con was doing the True Dungeon runs. This is our second year of true dungeon now with the kind of the game group i go with gen con and you know what true dungeon is brian i'm familiar from when you did it last year i guess it's yeah. more or less like a whatever a live playing rpg-ish kind of thing yeah it's 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 roughly based on dungeons and dragons 3.5 uh with uh, live actors and you have rooms in the dungeon and such that 
make up the challenges. And I think there are six or seven. I think there's seven rooms in each each adventure, and then you get experience based on how many rooms you are able to survive through. And our group did our our first one that we did. Um, this year was also kind of the end of the adventure sequence. Like every four years or something like that, they they start a, an adventure sequence, and then at the fourth year, that's kind of the end, and they have a, a big kind of finale adventures. And this year, the I can say both adventures, the final rooms in both adventures we did were just absolutely brutal. Um, so you made it? We made it to the final room in both... I made it to the final room in both cases. Um, in the first one we did, which was... Uh, the, uh, I don't remember the name of the one it was, but basically we were captured by the drow and chained up at the beginning of it. And then we got broke our, broke, we were able to get out of our bonds and use our gear. And, and by the final room, there was this big pool in the, in the center of the room. And, and, uh, it was like this pit of like dwarven souls were trapped in it or something like that, that we were supposed to be trying to rescue. And, you had these skulls on the edge of it, and you had to pick, like, you had to turn the right skulls just the right way and then say that, and then say something, I think, was the way to beat the clue. We'll see how it works, but, yeah, our party got wiped in that room. We only, we were not doing well in that one. It was the first time, like, we had the full group of ten of us, and instead of having, like, other people come in from other, you know, fill the other spots in our group so it's a full party of 10 that were all like our people that i knew and gamed with and we didn't necessarily we did well but we definitely didn't have the coordination down um that we did on when we did the second one so the second one we did we did the first one on a fri on the friday at gen con and the second one we did the saturday at gen con and the second one went much more smoothly like we were just blowing through all the puzzles the combat everything we were just doing great and then we got to the final room, and the final room, it's they've got this kind of. Uh, there's these. There's I think there is six six holes on the outside of the of the this little spider web thing where there were spiders um, from each hole that would race out to the center of the spider web, and it, it was all done with like this camera above above it, kind of projecting or this projector kind of projecting these images down and we didn't catch it at the time but there was a pattern that all spiders would come out of every hole but one well we didn't catch it and when our we had one guy turn a skull just to kind of see what happens we didn't catch the pattern so and he turned it or he put or i should say turn the skull put his hole and put his hand in the hole and got it out and nothing happened to him so we're like okay everybody Let's all, everybody take a hole. We'll put our hand in really quick, and then we'll pull it out. And at that point, the DM, the GM was like, "Yep, all of you, but him is dead." And we're like, "What?" <laughs> and we were like, "We were probably the fastest party wipe." The everybody in the group who was full up, fully healed, fully everything was wiped that fast. And we, and then he oh, yeah, it, he felt bad for us. He's like, "Are you guys gonna do this again?" Are you making another dungeon run this this weekend? And we're like, no. And he, then he's like, yeah, the, you had to catch the pattern of the spiders. And he showed us, and we're like, oh, so <laughs> close. <laughs> so so if, if like the first guy would have died 
when he stuck his hand in the hole, we'd, we'd have clued in, but it, he happened to just dumb luck it when there was no spiders going, coming out of his hole. So, Yeah, and he didn't realize it. So, yeah, it was, it was, it was funny. But it was kind of heartbreaking at the same time. So go ahead. I was just trying to ask what, uh, what you got for if you like were to finish the dungeon, do you just get your own satisfaction of beating it, or is there some kind of prizes or something for people who do it? Is there like points or anything, or is it just all fun? Good question. So you get experience points, obviously. I kind of mentioned that at the beginning for however far you get through the dungeon, and then if you complete the dungeon, you get a special, you get a token that gets you a special treasure draw. So you can draw, and they have like up up at the front of the thing, they have a. Uh, thing where you can stick in your hand and draw a token to get a special treasure, which that uh, typically the treasures are items that you can't you know, you can't necessarily buy the tokens for. So it gets you uh, hopefully something that's a little more unique as an item or a piece of gear like, that you can now use in future dungeons. Huh? Items for the game, like the yeah. play use in the dungeon. Yep, exactly. So uh, all of all of your equipment are these little plastic. Uh, uh, they're probably 50 cent piece, so they're about one, one and a half inch little circle plastic pieces, and they all have, um, like, you'll get a plus one sword or whatever, and they typically theme all the items to whatever the theme is for the year uh, of the two dungeons. Sounds pretty cool. It seems like you always have a good time doing that. Yep, that's a good time. So I did pick up a bunch of stuff as well. I pretty much can't Colors. help myself. <laughs> and <laughs> and uh, so I, I did pick up a few games. Uh, I picked up a game. It's called Dark Moon. And it's BSG Express basically rebranded and put up by Stronghold Games. And I've gotten a couple of gameplays of that since. Really do enjoy it. It's got, it's got it, it feels very much like... A, it, the if you've played the Battlestar Galactica board game by Fantasy Flight, um, you realize that it's one, it's epically fun, and two, it goes on forever. It's very easy to have a four or five hour session of Battlestar Galactica, um, Battlestar uh, BSG Express, or uh, now the, the rebranded Dark Moon game that Stronghold has put out. Um, it plays in about an hour, hour and a half. Um, depending on the knowledge base of our of the group, um, and is really pretty fun. It's a good game. I really do enjoy it. Um, it's pretty similar to the Battlestar game, you It is. You definitely feel if you know the Battlestar Galactica engine, you definitely see the, the how they've reverse engineered some of the mechanics. Uh, they do use dice in the BSG in uh, the Dark Moon game. To represent how you vote towards challenges, and those dice are weighted to uh, failure a little more than they are to positive, but it definitely has a has that feel and all of those things. And you can see how they advance kind of the jump track and how they have uh, the various missions and things like that that come up that you have to deal with. So, uh, very very cool game. Um, the verdict is still out if a in Battlestar Galactica, the board game, the actual game, it's fairly difficult as the human team to succeed and win the game. Uh, not saying it's impossible, and I know some people who have an amazing track record as humans, 
but typically the humans are, are more difficult to actually win and succeed with. In, in, in Dark Moon, it seems like the infected players, which are basically the Cylons from uh, the BSG game, are much more difficult to win with, in my opinion, in the two games that I've now played. But I think there's been some timing and where and who were the Cylon player or the infected players and how they were seated at the table and how they, they just kind of randomly ended up being generated that in both games it, they were both seated next to each other, which I think played against them. So uh, a lot of replayability and a lot of things to learn there about the game. I also picked up the Infinity, like I mentioned earlier with, with the hobby, I picked up the Infinity two-player star, starter, uh, the Operation Ice Storm. So expect some, uh, hopefully in the future, some coverage about that. Um, and then I picked up uh, the the other, the last thing that I wanted to pick, uh, kind of mention as far as things that I picked up that were pretty cool is that I picked up the Among the Stars revival expansion to the among the stars uh, game so among the stars is a uh, card game very similar to another game called seven wonders um, by different companies and uh, in among the stars you're it's a drafting game so you get a hand of cards you're going to pick one put it face down in front of you and pass the rest of the hand and then reveal your card when everybody else reveals and that's the card that you're going to play uh, you're going to take an action with it might be to build it or it might be to sell it or whatever the case might be and in in among the stars you're playing as one of the alien races trying to build a space station for the uh, galactic council or the whatever federation i'm not sure exactly how it themes but basically the the federation of planets and so the whole game, you're drafting, you're taking a card, you're building like a room to your space station, or maybe you're adding a weapon system, or you're having to build a power power plant so that you can power to other rooms, like maybe a maybe a recreational room. And I've always enjoyed it. It's really fun, and, 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 and I think the theme is so much better than like a Seven Wonders, which is still a very good game and has a great mechanic, but I really like Among the Stars better, and... And then with with revival and the other expansions, not only does it do they add the ability to play with more players because the base game is just a uh, two to I think it might even be a one to four. I think you have a solo version of it that's available, but you have this great theme of building the space station. So you feel like you know, even if you're not doing super well in the game, you look at your space station, you're like, yeah, this thing looks cool. And I have all these cool things like, oh, hey, I decided this time I'm going to play. And while it might not have been advantageous in this game to build weapon systems, I built this crazy Death Star of a space station. And that's just kind of fun. So do your cards actually kind of out to build a space station? Yep. Then? Or is it like theoretically? Oh, okay. Yep, you definitely lay them out in front of you so that you start with like a power core and then you add on to that power core and they have rules for how you place and certain certain facilities like an ambassador's quarter is really good really good to have close to uh, the council chambers. So if you have those uh, placed adjacently or something like that, they do well. While at the same time, if you put uh, a 
uh, weapon systems right next to the house, some housing quarters that might be a negative and you don't score as many points. That makes sense. Looks like there's a lot of thought there, I guess. Yeah, it's it's really neat. And then they have a, a, the other thing the expansions add is they, they add some... Well, the base game doesn't have a lot of other than you trying to deny passing a card to one of your opponents when you're doing the kind of draft. Um, you're, the other thing that the the expansions, and this isn't the base game, but not as much, uh, is player interaction. So you can then add additional cards into the deck that will uh, come up for draft that people can play that instead of playing on themselves, they play and it impacts somebody else's station. Like you could have in the, uh, I think it's the base game has like these infested cards where you have you play with an infested token on your you start the game with an infested token on your initial power system, and then after you uh, after the first ra- first round that then becomes uh, an important component where you can get cards that allow you to pass your infected token to another player, and at the end of the game you have negative points for however many uh, infected tokens you have on your station. So. Just interesting little fun things like that. It's a really cool game, and I'm really glad. I haven't had a good chance to... I certainly haven't played with the Revival expansion but uh, yet, but I, I and, or I haven't had a chance to really look at it. I got it out of the box and started to poke at it, but that's about as far as I got with that. Sounds pretty cool. All right, so those are, those are kind of some of my highlights from Gen Con. Uh, definitely, I think the biggest thing to come out of Gen Con was stopping by... And talking with Games Workshop, which had a booth at uh, at the you know at Gen Con in the exhibition hall where the, all the vendors are, and it was a really tiny little booth. And they had a couple of displays of Age of Sigmar. They weren't doing any demos in it. It was just they just camped out. It had people sitting in that booth answering questions all weekend, the whole four days. And I was able to, to pin them down on a couple of days and just kind of go over all of the millions of questions that I had in my head and, and experiences and problems and, and things like that that I had with the game or that I'm seeing locally with the game that are causing friction and problems. And I, I'll be honest, I, I didn't necessarily walk away with warm fuzzies, but I didn't necessarily walk away any more frustrated or excited but i got a couple of uh, things that were good pointers or tips that might help you out in your age of sigmar games when i say you i mean the audience right (laughs) but uh so one of them was and i and i and i complained about this whole like stacking models on top of other models bases and stuff and how that's you know like i i love basing one of the things that i i i will give you a million and one probably different basing techniques and tips that uh you could use to make your bases really cool looking and and, and when you do that you don't want somebody's model stacked on top of your bases because you put all that time and effort into it and and it's dynamic and it's layered and it has different levels of you know of heights and stuff like that so yeah why would you ever want to do that it's just bad so i asked him well then he's like 
So here's what he's like. Here's what I do in my personal games. Me and my opponent, we agree on this, and we do weapon range plus three inches, and we don't stack models on top of models, and that pretty much covers it. Now, sat down at the store. Uh, I played uh, uh, Fred. I played Fred uh, recently at the store with some Age of Sigmar, and we said let's not do the stack bases on bases. He had square based high elves. I used the uh, chaos that came in the starter box and uh, the corn stuff, and we played a game. And we we instead of doing weapon weapon range plus three, we talked about it. We agreed to do weapon range plus two uh, inches, and that worked out um, surprisingly well. We even did a couple of comparisons to see how much more I could smash my models together. Because really, that the round bases he had a lot more space than his squares. But to see if that would make a difference. And almost every time, it was pretty close to spot on that we were getting the same number of models into combat. Or being able to swing. So, uh, that's definitely something you could use. Yep. How many guys can swing? So that's why you cram in as many as possible. Yeah, because obviously if you cram in more, you get more swings, right? And there's just no rule that you can't stack models, models on, on top of each other. Exactly. And, and, and honestly, if there because uh, since bases don't matter, you know that makes sense. But at at the same time, you have, uh, you know, Sounds you like have mayhem, chaos. Yeah, you have guys that are on square bases, and you have guys that are on round bases. The round base guys are are at a little bit of a disadvantage because there's more freedom. Like if you're, I'm a chaos marauder on a 32 millimeter base. That's a lot of base that I'm taking up. You know, why wouldn't I just if if we you know, why wouldn't I just put them on a 25 millimeter or a 20 millimeter? You know, to try to try to maximize that if bases mattered. So yeah. and since there's not really a standardization across the board yet for all the existing or old square base stuff that was out to try to convert that over. I mean, there's some 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 fan base standards, but we we just just the only basic standard there ever has been, and with the GW game has been, what does it come with in the box? And right now, most of the stuff's still coming in the box with square bases. So that was one of the big questions. I definitely talked a lot about uh, the difficulties with pickup games and how do we do how do you how do you tell somebody to to be you know what they should bring to the table and, and i just definitely yeah that's that's exactly that was one of the frustrating responses just play whatever you want so i'm like so i brought an example i'm like you know right before the end of eighth i played a i think 56 or some hundred point game against kenny uh, from the Combat Phase podcast, and we had a blast. Great game. But I had like 400 and some odd Orcs and Goblins models on the table at the start of the game. So this I'm like, was edition, right? that was an 8th ad game. So I'm like, so I'm like, I pointed out, I'm like, so you're, what you're telling me is that I can show up to the store and in a pickup game <laughs> drop 400 models on the table. Because I could get almost all of those, I could probably get all of those models in a six by four zone, and strategically, depending on none of the modifiers in the core rules for me having more models, I can counter anything with deployment that my opponent would have, or that my opponent would have. 
and be able to take um, with that many miles on the board. And, and the response is, don't be that guy. No, that's that's not, you know, I, I've played a lot of Warhammer and I've played a lot of war games. Don't be that guy is never a good answer because there are those guys. There are there are all those guys that are going to bring the Nurgle Demon Prince with the get wounds back from impact. You know, get wounds back every time they hurt something potentially. You know, one up armor save, five up ward save, charm shield with double skill cannon, legions of chaos in a pile of horrors or whatever for extra power dice, then the disc rider and, and all that other awful stuff or or the ogre gut star with double iron blasters or you know, all of those horrible lists that we had in Ethad, there's going to be those guys that are going to bring them. If there's nothing that tells them not to, they're going to bring it. I mean people want to win. Um, and I guess that's from a model sales perspective. If people are buying four hundred models, well that's a good thing, but from a from a whole hey, I showed up the game store, it's Monday night, I want to play a game of Age of Stigmar game. Wait, no, that's terrible. And I think that's really hurting people wanting to play this game because I, I you know game balance doesn't have to be perfect. We put up we, we played and like I said, I played Warhammer for twenty years almost. Uh Warhammer Fantasy. There was never perfect game balance. Heck, we wasn't even close to per close to game balance. The closest it's been is an eighth. And I've had a blast playing the game for that many years. I don't need perfect game balance. The community the, the community just needs a set of guidelines to start from, and if we need to police it a little bit for tournament play, so be it. Right now, we have nothing. You know, we're we're generating the entire thing, and nobody can agree on exactly what that should be. So everybody's compact. Everybody's rules are all a little bit different. Every event's a little bit different. And that's going to be good for the next six months to a year. But, you know, at the same time, I think people are super frustrated. And I pointed this out to the GW folks. And I think they, I, I you know, I think they walked away with an understanding of what the problem was. And I'm sure they heard the same complaint about 8,000 times, but yeah, it's, it's a, it's a definite frustrating thing about the, about age of Sigmar. That being said, I mean, I talked to him uh, about the positiveness of, so at our release event, I did this, I, I had put this gate piece of terrain in the center of the table and I gave everybody a, a single uh, Sigmarine liberator, the guys with the shield and hammer. They came from the starter, and then I took all of the Chaos Marauders and and uh, five the little Chaos Warrior, Corn Chaos Warrior guys, the uh, sort of pile of Blood Reavers, and I can't remember what the uh, Blood Warriors or whatever they are, the Chaos Warriors, and <laughs> put them on the table. And everybody was like, "Survive as long as you, you need to survive for an hour, or otherwise, otherwise you reset." And whoever has the most kills at the end of this gets a prize and everybody just had a blast doing it and we it was going fast we must have blew through five six rounds of it in an hour and it, everybody had a blast it was really fast it was a lot of fun and people enjoyed that age of sigmar experience and I, so i passed that on you know as you know share you know what works what was fun what people had fun doing and and uh hopefully when we uh, hopefully uh, I continue being able to have fun events for folks to to play in where I'm able to 
help guide and balance some of the fun stuff for people so that people keep playing this game. Because, you know, at the end of the day, yeah, it's really, there's not a lot of rules or substance on the core rules of the game. But when you get into the battle plans and you get into uh, the War Scrolls, you start to find a lot of fun in the game. So, um, so I definitely relayed that and told them that too. So... Not all bad for Age of Sigmar. There was definitely good things. And, and the, the coolest thing was that GW was there and they were answering questions. That was awesome. Yeah, that's a big thing. Was there a big line for that? Or how was that going? Was he swarm- Were the dudes swarmed all day? <sighs> there were definitely... Particularly I hit them on Sunday. And they were on Sunday, they definitely had to kind of cut me off before I was done talking to them. Because... Oh, yeah. <laughs> Because they had started to have people line up. But they did a pretty good job. They had two people in the booth at all times. And they did a pretty good job of trying to move people through the booth. Do you feel like you got a lot of information from them? Or was it just kind of like, yeah, yeah, yeah? Uh, so I, th- I think there was a, a couple of, of things kind of passed back and forth. I did put up every, I did put a, a couple of blog posts up on the, on the blog about things that I talked to them about and asked and answered. Um, and my thoughts about the experience. So, you know, make sure you go to wiscodice.com and check that out on the blog. You can find the blog post when I when I talk to them about uh, Games Workshop at Gen Con. So, for more kind of details on my conversation, especially since I wrote those blog posts nearly right away, um, right after that weekend. So, this has now been a couple weeks since Gen Con. So, well, where we're recording this. Yep. So what did you? So I know you got back from Germany, and I know you didn't get any gaming done. But did you did you see anything cool while you were in Germany that was uh, you know particularly nerdy or bolt actiony or or cool well, like that? Any walls well, with bullet holes? Yeah, that was I don't know. That was a big kind of interesting thing in my mind. I didn't really think about is just how there's still like tons of stuff that's still affected by the war and it's already been like 70 years or something and there's still things that are recovering from the war so that's pretty crazy just how big of an impact it had and i did see about like eight million memorials or this or that things regarding various things from the war holocaust or other soviet stuff there was a a lot of soviet stuff around too but i guess nothing true extraordinary game-wise that I can think of. Okay, well, you had a good time, right? Yeah, it was pretty cool. It was definitely a really awesome experience that I hadn't had before. Like, I haven't even spent much time in a big city, let alone in Europe. And, yeah, it was quite a different place. Like, I was only there for three weeks, so it was somewhere, like, kind of in between, like, really being familiar. I mean, you couldn't... It would take a while to be really familiar, but... It was a nice chunk of time where you kind of felt kind of like you were, I don't know, living there almost, but still like it wasn't too short, I guess is what I'm saying. And it wasn't real long, but it was kind of just the right length. I think the third week was kind of rough and went really fast. I was trying to see a lot of things and uh, all my, where I was staying was arranged by the school and it was like a hostel. It wasn't really a bad hostel. I only had like one roommate and we all had separate bathrooms and stuff, but it just kind of got sick of not having your own space. We didn't have like a kitchen or fridge or anything like that. So that made it kind of rough, but 
So that's kind of where it overlapped, like the excitement of it being a new place kind of wore off and you felt like you were kind of living there a little bit, but you weren't, didn't really have the means to live there was kind of frustrating, but it was definitely a new thing. I guess I didn't get a ton of interaction with the locals besides some of like the tutors from the school who took us on various trips and stuff like that. And I mean, there was the general public all over the place. I guess Berlin's actually known for uh, being pretty rude. The people there are pretty rude and unfriendly. So <laughs> that might have been a little different experience. I think it really would have been something to, like if I were to do it again, I would probably would have really tried hard to kind of reach out. Like the gaming thing would have been a perfect in with some of the local guys, you know, some familiar grounds to get to know each other on, have them show you some things, you know. Sure. That'd be pretty cool, so. This was really my first experience with something like that, so I learned a lot all around. I didn't learn a ton of German, unfortunately. Like, most of my time was spent hanging around with English people. Like, I was kind of joking. I think I learned more English English than German because <laughs> I was with a lot of Australians and a uh, few people from the UK, and we really were kind of hanging around with the people in our class. So there's like, about 150 people from all over the place in the program, but my class was about 20 people and i'm pretty sure more like 15 or so we're maybe a little less than 15 but more than 10 we're australian so i probably became the most familiar with them but i saw pretty much all the sites i could have seen in berlin i did get to see some of the places nearby like we went to dresden and we went to what was a concentration camp in soviet prison in Sachsenhausen, and potsdam was another place i went that was kind of all near berlin along with the city so the city was pretty crazy like just there was lots of different areas and every area kind of felt a little different whether you were like downtown was kind of the big buildings and expensive and touristy and stuff like that but then all the neighborhoods had a really different feel to it and like this one night i felt like having a cheeseburger and i might have been a little homesick or something so i looked up where to go to get a good one and i go to this neighborhood and to this place like the place was an american place that I don't think the guy spoke like any German when he was talking to the other customers and stuff like that he only spoke English but then like everybody it must there was a lot of like foreigners there it was a lot of English people and Americans that was really weird and I guess it's a thing of Berlin that not too many people are actually from Berlin like everybody's kind of a foreigner so it was interesting sure sure it was a really good experience I wish I would have I think yeah inter getting to know some gaming locals would have been a really cool in so but I you definitely, a lot and it was a good experience so. you, you definitely came back though uh, fired up for some bolt action you needed uh, to kill some uh, uh, Germans in in the game didn't you <laughs> I don't think so no no it's not been working out that way no they, they seem very sorry for the stuff no <laughs> no I'm sure I'm sure uh, from a from a people's perspective but that uh, does sound like it. You know, you came back and you were really fired up to play bolt action. So uh, obviously, yeah, some of the fair. some of the all, seeing all the war stuff and whatever definitely was had to have been kind of inspiring to be able to see to kind of think about that and and put that into uh, perspective for your gameplay. Yeah, that was definitely the biggest feeling I had, like gaming wise. I guess because maybe that's what kind of drew me back into it. But my bolt action games have just been the most interesting and yeah with i mean i don't have much aspiration to play eighth anymore i played one game since i've been back i played for the championships against fred and i mean it was very familiar and felt kind of good to play it but it's hard to get motivated for a dead game so yeah, yeah it's definitely 
I do have more interest for Age of Sigmar now. I really want to actually give it a try before. I was kind of like, eh, whatever. But I see some potential for enjoyment there or whatever. Yeah, no, definitely. Like, I'm I'm putting together this or I, this Sunday, or I should say Saturday, Sunday, this Saturday, 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 Saturday at Pegasus Games on Odana Road, Madison, Wisconsin. There will be an Age of Sigmar event. It's called Opening of the Heavens. It's basically going to be a narrative event where we play four rounds. At least that's what we're scheduled for. Uh, events where each round the scenario will be dictated by the faction, the uh, whether it's order or destruction, chaos or undead, that wins the round. It has the most wins versus the, any of the other factions, obviously. There's a certain advantage to having more players in your faction uh, so that you have more opportunities to win. And then the next round will be dictated by the faction that wins that round. And so the, the, the scenario that will be played and the, kind of the story of the day will all be driven off of this kind of concept of going from round to round. And so we've, we've got a composition rules pack that... Uh, that I've shared out with the event, and and we'll see how that goes as far as the event. But I think this is, you know, this the scenarios. I should say scenarios. The battle plans give a lot of meaning to what you're trying to do in the game, and and let the game kind of develop each each game develop its own kind of little story, and then being able to kind of link all that story throughout the entire day for a full narrative event. Um, I think that's where kind of the key to Age of Sigmar is. It's not a, okay, I'm going to play and you're going to play and we're going to try to kill each other's models till they're all dead, 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 uh, which is what Warhammer Fantasy has always been. You know, I know they've tried to put scenarios into it, but they've never, it almost always seems like you know, when you're doing scenario play with Fantasy, it's just, I kill your models, and if you have any, you know, you know, you kill my models, and if we have anything left, then we'll sort out scenario afterwards. You know, trying to do control points or objectives or something like that with fantasy just never really seemed to work. And uh, with the uh, game like Age of Sigmar now, where you have more mov mobility with the models um, in the directions and angles that you can move, you might ne necessarily, you know, being able to do objectives and control points and that kind of thing really do change the schematic of the game. So, uh, in the way it plays and the way the stories and narratives that can come out of those games. So, yeah, I think uh, there's huge positives for that. Yeah, it sounds like it's going to add a lot to the games. Do you say, can it, should anybody come out and play, or is this for experienced Age of Sigmar players only, the veterans? Or? So, this is going to be, uh, I, I don't think there are veterans, so, but I think this is going to be, it's a, it's a competitive event, so we will have an overall winner, um, that'll come out of the, it'll be the highest scoring player out of the, out of the faction that has done the well, the, the most well. So, we will be tracking everybody's results throughout the day, and there is a game scoring, uh, mechanism for each game, so you will have your own individual score. That will contribute to your faction. And then we will uh, have some other prizes or some door prize type stuff that we're going to have thrown in. So there's going to be a bunch of prize support. But we're, I think people who haven't played a lot, I mean, it's four pages of rules plus your war scrolls. So if you just bring the four pages of rules, a fun attitude, your models, and your war scrolls, and I would recommend that you have your war scrolls printed out and handy so you have an easy reference. Try to, try to keep them so that you can keep them on a per 
per unit basis and follow the rules pack, I think you can show up and have a great time playing this game for the three or four rounds that we end up playing. No, no necessary super experience required. And in fact, I think most of us, you know, don't have enough experience that we're all going to be experts or get everything perfectly right. Very true. Okay, so what did we talk about today? Uh, a lot of VenCon covered your experience and what you saw there, what you brought back, what you heard. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I guess I mentioned my trip to Germany a little bit. Yeah, there's... Not much gaming related there, but we also mentioned some things came up that do have blog posts related, so if you want to hear a little more about that, there's good coverage on our blog. Yep. And... There is the tournament we just talked about for Age of Sigmar. Yep, definitely. I guess Saturday, Saturday, Saturday. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So, uh, with all with that being said, we definitely uh, our folks have uh, so our folks have come to the to me and and mentioned, you know, are you guys still, you know, you haven't seen a lot of episodes? Are you guys still going to be doing the show? I know Age of Sigmar has uh, killed a lot of fantasy podcasts uh, and a lot of shows. What's going on? Are you guys changing formats? What what's the deal at this point? We are doing what we do, which is talk about the games we're playing, uh, whether they're Warhammer orientated, whether they're uh, board games. You know, we've always tried since day one to include some you know board game element in in the shows, whether it's the gaming spotlight or or just talking about what we've been doing. Uh, Definitely, we didn't have the, the news on this episode, but we're going to do more news type stuff where we're talking more about, I think, other games and, and other other products and movies and things like that. So we're going to get more into that that funness that is that, particularly with this fall with new James Bond movies and Star Wars movies and the rumors or the stuff that's now filming with the new Star Trek film and you know, there's lots of cool, fun stuff we can talk about there. And, yeah, we're still, you know, Brian's going to play some Age of Sigmar finally. And we're going to get his thoughts of an actual game. And and we're going to keep talking about bolt action. And we still haven't really decided exactly how we're going to do the next, the whatever it ends up being for bolt action. Um, and then, yeah, we've got other games. We just talked about Infinity. We're going to probably give a spin as soon as I get it modeled and based up. And we're going to do... Uh, you know, I'm sure there'll be some drop zone commander coverage. There's going to be, you know, at some point, if I can find some people to play some Malifaux against, I want to talk about Malifaux. So all the games that we're talking about, Blood Bowl, Dread Ball, uh, Kings of War, we definitely have some Kings of War coverage coming as well. It's all out there. It's going to be on this show. So keep stay tuned. Keep listening. We're keep, going to keep putting out content, and it's going to be all over the place. Miniatures game coverage um, with a lot of focus still on Warhammer. Sound about right? I think so. <laughs> we'll see where it goes. <laughs> if I ever get that Age of Sigmar game in. And on that bombshell, peace out. Bye. <laughs>